Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Ezequiel Mora, and uh, I'm married to Crystal Laws, and my monster-in-law is right there, uh, <laughs> Leslie Laws, um, and my father-in-law couldn't be here because he's a little sick, um, and so we also want to pray for him uh, that he has a quick recovery because uh, I don't want to, I don't want him to make me sick, you know. I'm going to talk about everyone who's not here, so I'm glad you are here, um, because then I can talk about you. Um, I'm going to read from Isaiah, so if you want to follow me, to Isaiah 55. And just because of our Bible school training I have to read the whole chapter. I cannot read like one little part, so we're just going to read the whole thing. Okay. Let me pray first. All right, thank you for this morning. I thank you that uh, you gather here, the people you want to be here, and I thank you for this opportunity to talk. I thank you for the fact that you are good, and you, your grace is so overwhelming that you forgive us every day and that you give us life every day, like a new chance for us to do better. I pray for us to be more like Jesus and less like us, to just be like empty vessels that you can pour your spirit into. So we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and guide us during today's message and report. We thank you for um, just your goodness in all the areas of our lives and we continue to pray for all the people who are sick for you to show your power and into miraculous healings in the name of jesus i pray amen okay isaiah 55 come all you who are thirsty come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples and leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thought. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow 
come down from heaven and did not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Let me get my timer going because you know how it goes. I can go for hours. All right. So I want to do this as a two-part thing. I mean, that was what Carl asked me to do, but I usually do whatever I want. And so we end up doing that in a mix. So we're going to do the report and the teaching or preaching together. So this is the first time I do this, so it can go really wrong or it can go really bad. Um, so the disclaimer I always give is I'm not really a preacher. I'm more like a stand-up Bible comedian. Um, so hopefully you will laugh a little but learn a little in the process. And, um, you know, one of my goals is always that you read the Bible, so check, you already read that. Uh, you laughed a little already. So now the only last thing that I need you to do is to go to Costa Rica and work with us. And that's usually the hardest part, but we're going to try. So Isaiah 55 um, is kind of a, a three strands of the same rope. That's how I want to see it. And so I also divided um, the year for us into three different areas. We have, uh, well, let me see. Well, in the report, I just put some silly pictures of our family there. But in the next slide, you can see um, our babies uh, because you have to have cute baby pictures all the time. So we have Leilani on top and Alexander. And then on the next pictures, you can see them sleeping um, because they actually sleep a lot when we travel, and they travel so well. So God has blessed us with children who, who don't cry and whine so much on the planes and, um, and a good uh, little cart for us to just carry them around. Um, okay, next slide is uh, about our ministries. Right now... You know, just because we're doing three different ministries. Uh, so the first ministry is um, down, down at the corner. You can see the food truck. It's a trailer that we purchased last year, 2019. And with the help of many of you, we actually equipped it. And we are giving uh, food to the homeless and the poor with it. Um, and then on the top corner, you can see uh, some kids and those kids are from our kids' ministry that we do every week. Uh, the next picture is uh, the third ministry that we do, and it's a Bible school. So every year, 
uh, we do a, we run a Bible school for three months in which we read the whole Bible and we get teaching on it. And um, on top of that, uh, we have been asked to teach in other schools. So we do some teaching in other locations as well, not only the location we're at in Panama. Uh, and the last picture is actually Crystal in a place you might know. Does anybody know that place? It's the Charlotte Airport. We spend a lot of time in the airports, uh, but we like this airport because it has rocking chairs. You know, not, I have not seen that anywhere else. So you guys are special. Okay, next slide. Um, you can see the, um, I'm gonna start talking about the, the Omega task. That's what's the first ministry that we work with. That's basically my family's ministry that got started by my brother, Ben. And my mom works there, my sister-in-law, and Crystal, and myself, and a few other volunteers. So when I was reading Isaiah 55, I discovered that it kind of also has three parts to it. So the first part that I want to go to is verses 5 to 9. And, you know, in that section there, uh, verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Um, so a couple of things there that I noticed, first of all, is it says that the wicked man will return to God, which means he was with God to begin with. But he kind of astray, which um, when, when the praise team was singing, uh, I really like that song that says, you know, you call my name and I ran out of the grave. But sometimes we run back to the grave. And, uh, and so I was thinking this verse is much more like that, you know. It says, you know, we went out, we did bad, but we are coming back to God. And if we come back, God will be good as he always is to abundantly pardon. And it also says abundantly. You know, it doesn't just say he will pardon you a little bit, you know, for like two of your sins, but he will just cover all of your sins, um, which is good because we do, we do, I don't know, I feel like sin is almost like a snowball sometimes, you know, like you do one little thing and then one other little thing. And then when you, when you look, it's like this giant ball and then you start thinking, there's no way I can you know, go back up the hill, you know. But God says, yeah, you can. Just come back home. So for anyone that is listening, if that's your case, you know, shake the snow off this snowball that you're in and go back up the mountain to God because he will pardon. And this is for myself as well. I mean, don't, don't think that I'm just throwing it out there, you know. I roll down the mountain sometimes too, and I go back up the hill. And, um, and, I, and I was thinking one day when I was reading the news and I heard that a pastor fell in sin and I don't know what, whatever, and they put it on the news, you know, a huge church with 3,000 people and whatever. And I said, you know, but we all do it. We just don't get in the news, you know, but it's the same thing, you know. And God will pardon, pardon all of us the same way, you know. There is no thing like, small sin or big sin for God is all just sin 
I was in, um, in a bus stop once and I was listening to two people talk and one of them told the other, like, you know, like, I sin, but only the little ones, you know? I break the law, but only the little law. And I was just thinking, I wonder what part of that is. But I didn't, you know, <laughs> I, because it wasn't, they weren't talking to me. I didn't want to get in there. But I, I kept thinking, I hope that she, like, expands, you know, before my bus leaves. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, th then she said, um, Something, something about her daughter getting a tattoo. She said, oh, no, you know, she's not going to heaven. No, no, no. And I was like, okay, I guess that's the, that's the big sin, you know, tattoos. Um, and so she has no tattoos, so I gathered that. And then uh, the guy asked her something about her husband. And she said, oh, no, 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 I left him a while back, you know. I think it's better to be single and just mingle whenever you want and whatever. And I was like, okay, so that's the little sin, you know, the, the mingling, I guess. Um, and so I was just thinking, you know, I was just thinking, like, as I was sitting there, my bus was about to leave, I was like, you know, I wonder if God looks at us and hears our talking and he just thinks, what went wrong here? <laughs> like, you know, how did you get it so wrong? Uh, if you go back to the Ten Commandments, it is interesting to see that they're kind of divided in sections. It's like the first section is your uh, relationship with God directly. And then the other section, you know, most of them are actually your relationship with the rest of the people, you know? So it says, you know, you should love God and he should be your only God. And then it says, and you should love the people. And basically, if you love the people, you're not going to steal from them. You're not going to cover their things. You're not going to, I don't know, hurt them in any way. That's basically the whole, you know, breakdown for the other verses. Um, and so with, with the Omega Tav, we have been doing uh, several things through the years. Um, so this picture up on top is actually in the mountains of Panama when we did an outreach to uh, train some pastors. Um, apparently, well, I have, a, I have a friend there who's a pastor. He's an indigenous pastor, and he took our Bible school, actually. And after he took the Bible school for three months, he said, we need to train the pastors because they don't know the Bible. They have never read it. And um, so he went back to the mountain, and in a matter of like three years, he planted 19 churches and trained 19 pastors. But now when, you know, it's almost 20 people that you have to manage, he's having troubles, you know. So he called us in and he said, God, can you guys come and give like a, a little pastor training? So we came and we did a, an inductive Bible study uh, training for the pastors. And we said, you know, you guys, you guys need to read the Bible. That's step number one, you know. Um, and this is no, you know, I'm not talking bad about the mountains of Panama. I mean, there is pastors all around the world that have not read the whole Bible. Uh, and so we are pushing um, as an organization to end Bible poverty outside of the church, but also inside of the church. You know, there is a lot of uh, uh, illiteracy inside the same church, you know, where if you hear, I mean, sometimes I've heard people say like, yeah, like the Bible says, you know, when the river sounds, it's because the rocks are rolling or whatever. And I was like, what part is that? I think I missed that. 
or you know, I don't know, things weird things that are just sayings. They just say, like the Bible says, in whatever saying, you know, you can put it up there. Um, and then I'm thinking that also happens that sometimes when the churches go almost like cultish because the pastor is the only one that knows the word and the pastor is the only one that can hear from the Lord, you know. And if people were to read the Bible, then they would know that's not true. And so just by reading, you don't have to study too hard. You know, that's the second step if you want to study. Uh, so with, with this training, we were actually able to train um, like 12 pastors of the 19 pastors. And, and actually the whole church that was in that community, they all came to the Bible study. They all came to the worship times. And um, in Panama, in, in most of Latin America, you know, services are three, four, five, six hours long. And the funny thing is they made us have a service in the morning and then right at lunch they say, hey, why don't we do it again in the afternoon? And I was like, yay. <laughs> I was like, let's do it again for another six hours. And so they, they, you know, have no phones, so they just send the kids. They say, go tell everybody. I mean, I kid you not, at 3 p.m., the whole church was there again. Same thing, over again. Uh, and we were like, okay. So then at dinner time, the pastor goes, why don't we do like a short service tonight? And I was like, of course. I mean, what else have we going on, you know? And so, again, the whole church comes another three hours. Uh, I'm falling asleep, you know, on the side there. Um, uh, my brother is preaching. I'm trying to stay awake. And, but they're so hungry for it, you know. They all want to know. They all want to hear what the, the, the pastors have to say, the, the missionaries have to say. And it's always good to go there for that reason. The next picture is um, actually um, a couple of groups that came last year to see us. And I don't know, I don't know if you can see it, probably you can't really tell who those people are, but there are some North Carolinians in there, in the mix, um, right in the back there. Um, they don't come to this church, so maybe that's why you don't know. Uh, but this is two groups, actually, one from Hawaii, one from North Carolina, and we just put them all together and said, you guys are just going to go out and do ministry, you know, just talk to each other and be friends. Um, with uh, the, the intent of reaching the community and the community next to us, so we bring teams, you know, all year round. So you guys can come whenever you want, especially when it's snowing here, it's not snowing there. You know, this storm last night, I mean, I thought the church was going to be empty with this much snow. Uh, I was a little disappointed when I woke up because I, I want to go snowboarding, and I, I can't snowboard on that much. Um, so anyway, we are working and have been working for the last, like, five and a half years now with the Omega Task, uh, trying to reach the community and... Um, we discovered something in, in, in the process. We were trying to reach everyone super fast. And so in the first year, I remember we did uh, Bible studies for men, Bible study for women, Bible study for couples, Bible study for kids, for adults, for young people, you know, kids clubs. Uh, we asked people to come for lunch, for dinner, for whenever they wanted. Uh, we did Bible distribution. Um, what else did we do? 
Yeah, we did all sorts of things. And the people were not actually reacting to it. They were almost like overwhelmed. They were like, it's too much. So people stopped coming to the Bible studies, you know. And then we were like, what happened? Like, we, you know, we were with such a good intention. And uh, so through the years, we have found out that it's not how much you do, but how well you do it. And so we went down to quality over quantity. Uh, in the first year, I remember one of our prayers was we wanted to have 100 kids in our kids' clubs. And I kept telling my brother, Ben, I was like, Ben, we have 20 chairs. Like, where are you going to put the other 80 kids? He said, we'll get more chairs. And, and I said, and, and, and we actually had a tarp. We just hang a tarp on four posts. And I said, well, the tarp is not going to cover the 80 kids either. And, uh, you know, praying one day after the prayer time, he came to me and said, I think God is saying something similar. You know, God is saying, this is what you can handle. Don't try to handle more than what you can actually do. So we had like 20 and less, you know, 10 kids, 15 kids. You know, that was our average there. And it's still our average to this day. Now we have a building. We have 80 chairs. We have, we don't, we don't do the tarp anymore. We have shade. We have a playground. We still have the, you know, 20 kids. But those kids, most of them are now teenagers. And so we've done discipleship with them for the last five, you know, five, six years. And you can see the difference. And we were trying to reach the whole family, the fathers, the mother, the grandma, the and then, you know, it wasn't working. And so then we concentrated on the kids. And the kids are talking to the mothers. And the kids are talking to the fathers. The kids are actually reading their Bibles. And the, the parents are looking at them like they're so weird. Like, why are you reading the Bible? It's not Sunday, you know? And so the kids would say, oh, no, I just wanted to read. And, you know, here in, in John, it says this and that. Whatever. So they are helping us do the job now. The next picture there is of um, one of our kids' clubs. And, uh, and then the next one is of an outreach to a local community that is like six hours away from us. We're also doing some, um, trying to do some community development through gardening and planting. And so it's an area where they struggle. They have a lot of land, but they don't plant anything. And so we came in, and we got a piece of land, and we're planting, and we're doing agriculture, trying to teach the people nearby that they can do the same thing and they can share with others. So right now, I don't know, there's something crazy like 200 banana plants and 200 uh, mango trees, and like, it's insane. So if you like fruit, come to Costa Rica. We have a lot of it, and it's really good. Um, so with this whole thing of the, um, of the Omega task, you know, we're trying to do what the verse 7 in Isaiah 55 is, is doing. It says we need to help the people forsake their own ways. We're trying to get the people to hear what God has to say and change their lives, you know, into what they need to do. Um, you know, the Bible is big, and, and, and there's a lot in it. And so when Jesus was here on the earth, um, you know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all those guys, they were trying 
to set traps for Jesus to fall into. And so in Matthew 22, I think it's really interesting. It's almost like one of those jokes when they say, you know, three people walked into a bar and something like that. So Matthew 22 is kind of that way because Jesus walks into the place and here comes the Sadducees and they say like, hey, you know, we have this trick question for you. What do you think? And Jesus answers really well. And so it says the people were astonished at how well he managed the, the law. And then next thing you know is the Pharisees come in and they say, we can do better than the Sadducees. So we're going to do a better trick question than the one they did. And so they asked they ask Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Now, if you just... If you just answer that quickly, you might go into a mistake. But Jesus knew that this was a trap. And so he said, well, let me see. What is the most important one? And, you know, the, the, the trap here is if you say one is more important than the others, then the others are not as important. And so then they would be like, aha, you're saying that this is important. So this is not important. We should erase it from the law. That's heresy, and you should be crucified. Uh, but Jesus was so smart. He said, you know, the most important thing of all, he says, is to love God with all your heart, you know, with everything you've got. That's the most important thing. And then Jesus says, and, you know, he cheats a little bit there. He says, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he drops the bomb. He says, in this, it's literally like this is the hinge that holds the whole law and the prophets. So like half, I mean, the whole Bible they had at the moment. He's basically saying, this is your cliff notes right here. You know, this is what you need to know. If you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor, you'll be just doing all of it, you know, because the Ten Commandments, like I said before, is love God and then basically love others. If you love God and love others, you're not going to hurt them. If you love God with all your heart, you're not going to hurt him, you know, by disobeying and doing bad stuff. And so Jesus is telling us that the love is the key. And we discover that in, in the Omega test, you know, we, we thought, well, the one thing we need to do is to love these kids, to help them, you know? So if you go to the next slide, there is a few pictures there. Uh, well, that's Alexander playing chess, of course, at two years old. Um, then we have some kids in bicycles. We actually started a um, kind of a, a bicycle shop for them. And so we're trying to teach them how to fix their own bicycles, but in the meantime, we're doing it for them. Um, and then we do kids clubs every week. So we bring crafts and we read the Bible to them. And, you know, it's, uh, we're just trying to love on them the way they need to be loved. Um, at first we thought, okay, we got to preach to them and, and then they, we got to baptize these kids and, you know, we're going to put them through church. And, and then we were like, well, but they just want to play soccer. You know, they don't care about the Bible. They don't care about being baptized. They don't care about going to church. They care about the soccer ball. So we gave them soccer balls, and we played soccer with them. 
And when they kicked each other and they cursed, and we stopped the game and we say, you know what the Bible says. The Bible says you shouldn't curse. And I guess it says not to kick your brother too somewhere in there. Uh, so why don't you guys hug it out and we can continue playing. No, I don't want to. Okay, we're not going to continue playing until you say you're sorry and you love each other. Okay, we love each other, whatever. And little by little, you know, through the years, now they kick each other and they're like, sorry, I didn't mean to. And they're like, it's okay, you know, brother. And so we're like, okay, it's working. It's taking years, but it's working. So we have discovered that's what we need to do. So we also created a program for scholarships to put these kids through school. A lot of them don't get out of poverty because they don't finish the year because they are picking coffee in November, December is when it's the best. And so they don't go to the finals. They don't go to finals. They don't do their exams. They they fail the year. Next year, they go back to the same grade. Do the same thing over again. The whole year, you study. You go. End of the year, they go to pick coffee again. And it's like, guys, you don't see the cycle here. A 15-year-old that is in second grade in primary school, it's not going to go, you know. And then they get ashamed. They get out of school. They just drop it altogether. So they... They're, they're second graders that are 18 years old, you know. And so we are like, okay, we have to do something. So we're trying to push them with, um, with some help with scholarships. So if you guys are interested in knowing how to do that, how to help with that, you can um, talk to us at the end. We're also building a coffee shop. Mm, I think it's the next slide. No, in the middle, we have some traveling Yeah, go forward, okay, traveling, and what's next? Oh, well, I skipped it. Um, so the, um, I had some pictures of the coffee shop. The coffee shop is not finished yet, but it's almost finished. So we're creating a source of income for some of the families that we work with. They're going to work at the coffee shop and sell bread and coffee and, you know, food, and... Um, through this, we're also creating scholarships for the kids to not go pick coffee and actually finish the year in school. And so, uh, you know, that entails paying for their bus, their uniforms, their shoes, whatever they need so that they stay in school, you know. And it's, it's working. I mean, the kids are understanding that they need to stay in school. And the parents are finally understanding after years of talking to them about this. They're coming to the point where they're like, okay, yeah, I guess if they go to school, they finish their year, they can go to high school, they can get a better job, and it's not um, badly paid. All right, so this first section, which is taking me forever to finish, it's the what. What do you need to do? You need to love God, and you need to love each other, you know, and not only each other in Avery County, but each other in the whole world, which is harder to do. Um, you know, and I'm not talking about political correctness here. I'm just talking about doing something for others that can't pay you back. You know, these, these scholarships are not going to come back to us. This is money we are sending one way, and it's going that way. You know, it's not coming back to us. These kids have no way to pay us back. And that's, I read once, that's character. When you, when you do something for someone who can't pay you back. Because we do things for people who can pay us back all the time. Because we know they're going to pay us back. So we're fine with that. But 
it's really good character to do something for somebody who can pay back. Okay, so the next section then, after traveling, because we spend so much time in airports, is the Bible schools. Um, the Bible schools, um, well, it's called the Discipleship Bible School. It's a three-month school. Um, and I'm tying it with Isaiah 10 to 13. If you check the verse 10, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, so is the word of God. You know, and it comes down to us, and then um, it says it will not return void. It will not return empty to God. It will always bring um, like, um, like a harvest back to God. Okay? So this is part of uh, the how we do it. How we want to do it is we want to train the people to read their Bibles. What happens when you read your Bible? Well, you, you learn a lot more about God, and you definitely learn more about yourself. Through the history of Israel, you know, and I've told this to the students all the time, I'm like, look at Israel, how stupid they were. You know, they're going in circles again. Not literal circles, but just in their, in their religiousness, in their silliness, just going in circles. Right, you saw how stupid they are? Okay, now look at yourself. And the students look at me like, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm like, just think about this for a second. Do you go in circles too in your life? Do you fall back in sin and go back around? You know, how big is your circle? It's probably not 40 years long like Israel's was, but it's there. You know, we have short cycles. And we have to get out of the cycles. And one of the ways to get out is to read and study the word. Because then you figure it out. You say, okay, what I'm doing is wrong. How do I stop it? Oh, okay, Jesus already told me how. God already showed me how. So let's get on that. So the Bible school, um, we were entrusted with the big task of opening more Bible schools in Latin America, in the Spanish-speaking world. And it's been going great so far in the last three years. We have opened five different locations, um, and we are training people to do the same thing. So hopefully, little by little, it's going to go more exponential with other people going to train other people to open other schools. And then, you know, it's going to be more, it's going to be faster. Um, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I feel like my time is running out. Like literally, it's running out here. Um, and so the thing is, you just have to remember something about the, the study of the Bible. And it is that you need to pray, you need to read it, you need to apply it, and repeat it. All right? So here we go again. You pray, you read, you apply, you repeat. Okay? So you pray, you read, you apply. You repeat. Okay, last one. You pray, you read, you apply, and repeat. Okay? That was for the people who were falling asleep. A little repetition. All right, so, and God's purposes are going to happen, no matter what. But if we are in the mix, I think that's even better for us. Not for him. He's fine with or without us. But he's so good to us that he has let us be part of it. All right, so the final part of this message and this report then is the airport. I know. Yeah, some more traveling. Um, they were trying to go 
They're going trying to go see me at the Dominican Republic, where I was teaching. All right, next one, the food truck ministry. And the food truck ministry is the, the how to, you know, do it part. We already checked the what to do. We already checked the how to do it. Now I just need you to go do it. You guys know that from Charlotte to Costa Rica, it's only a four-hour flight? Maybe you didn't know that. Are you motivated? I mean, four hours. You probably drive that to somewhere else that is not as hot and nice. So, um, so the food truck is, um, takes us back to the first part of Isaiah 55, where it says, you know, come and eat. And it says, you know, you don't have to pay because it's free. Um, this year, well, last year, we sold approximately 600 meals. We sold them. We actually charge people for it. Don't think that I'm a bad person for this. But we charge them, and then with that money, we actually gave meals for free. So we, we sold like 600, and we gave away almost 500. Our goal is to get to the same number. So for this year, we're trying to get to 1,000. So we can sell 1,000 meals and give 1,000 meals. That's our goal. Maybe we'll do more, but we'll just see. Um, now, this little part also on verse 3 says, incline your ear. And it's interesting because it's, it's basically talking about food. But then it says, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, the same one that I did with David. And so what does this have to do with us? Well, we think it's a two-handed gospel, basically. We want to feed the people and then talk to the people about Jesus. You know, a lot of people ask us, like, why are you giving me food for free? And we're like, oh, I'm glad you asked, you know, because I, sh you know, I don't have to do this. There is no logical reason why I am giving away food for free in a business, you know. But there is a crazy reason. And the crazy reason is, an, is a commandment. You know, Jesus said to take care of the, of the widows and uh, the children and the people who were poor. In fact, Jesus himself said, you will always have the poor with you. You know, I... I'm not celebrating that, but I know it's a fact. And so might as well work in that area that we will have always. You know, Jesus said, I will be here for a short time, but you will have the poor forever. So spend a little time with me while I'm here, and then go spend time with the poor, because they will be here. Now, there is something really interesting um, about the doing, and is that you basically have to move to do things, you know? So, I would say stop thinking about doing things and do the things. I have a friend who always says to me, stop talking about it, be about it. And because Jesus is our ultimate example, I just want to leave you with this little part here um, of the message. But before that, I have to go, I think, a couple more slides. So again, 
I was coming back from somewhere, so they were picking me up. And you can see Alexander is very confused about the pictures. <laughs> he doesn't understand pictures. And for 2020, we are praying for, uh, we want to give more meals away. And so I want you to think about these things and pray with us. Uh, we want to give more feel, meals for free. We also want to uh, read or, well, more Bible schools. That's what it says there. And we have a big prayer request for you guys, the third one. We want to see if we can uh, get our own house. We have a place for our house. We don't have a house yet. Uh, and it's been kind of stressful to us because we have to pack our house every time we leave the country. So to come here, we had to spend a couple of weeks or more packing everything and putting it in my mom's house. So I wish I had a picture of my mom's house right now because you would see our house inside her house. Um, and so it's a big thing, I know, and these are big three things to remember, but just think about it when you think of us. Pray for us to give more food away to the homeless and the poor. Pray for us to open more Bible schools and pray for us so that we can build a little house for our family. Okay, so I want to finish with this idea. Because uh, if you don't remember anything that I said so far, that's okay. I want you to remember this one last thing. So, Jesus didn't have to come to earth. Jesus could have stayed in his throne and sitting there listening to our stupid conversations. But he did come. He came down. He didn't stay in heaven. He could have stayed in heaven and just told us what to do which he actually did. He told us what to do. And when he saw that we were not getting it, he came down and showed us how to do it. Jesus was here doing ministry for, you know, a couple years, and he told us everything we needed to know. He showed us how to do it. So do me a favor this year and be more like Jesus. Don't just tell people what to do. Show them how to do it. Um, sometimes when I come here and I share, I feel like I throw the stone and then I run away. And I think that's why I can throw the stone. Because then I'll go away. But, but the thing is, I wouldn't be here standing telling you to do something that I haven't done. You know, I said, you know, you can come back to God. I have come back to God. I, I tell you, you can go out and do what he's asking you to do because I am out there doing what he asked me to do. What he asked you to do might be completely different, but you need to go out there and do it. And the last thing is, I want to talk to you personally about any of these things that are an opportunity for you to do. If you want to come to Costa Rica and you want to help with the homeless and the poor, if you want to help with Kids Club, if you want to work with women, children at risk, any of those areas, come talk to us. In the back, I put some uh, prayer cards as well, and it, they have our email address. So if you don't get a chance to talk to us today or in the next couple of weeks while we're here, send us an email, give us a call, we will find a place for you to do what you need to do.
Thank you very much.